Good morning. Husband? <laughs> so Bob was telling you about how the, our heater, our boiler system is down. We were in, am I, t am I echoing? Oh, okay. So when we were in worship this morning, my husband, I said, is that the, the heater or the boiler tinging? And he said, he said, yeah, we're the frozen chosen. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it's like, so, as you can see, we have a lot of our family out today because it's a weekend, extra weekend, and so a lot of them are on vacation, and it's great. Am I kind of echoing here? Um, I am. I'm good. Okay. So um, Dave Hansen is preaching in Hermiston. Dustin and his family are taking a much-needed break, and, you know, all our teachers are taking that extra day and good for them. So we're the frozen chosen. <laughs> no. <laughs> this is church. Keep it civil. Um, so let me pray. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we just thank you for your presence. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your love. Lord, I pray that you would be with our friends, our family, Lord, who are just taking a much-needed break. We pray for Dave as he's preaching down in Hermiston. I pray that you would bless him and anoint him to preach your word. We thank you, Father God, for the opportunity that we have to come together and worship you and fellowship. And Lord, I just pray that every word that I speak today would be from your throne room, Lord, it would be your words that are spoken. So I just say, come Holy Spirit, and use me, Lord, to deliver your message. Thank you, Father God, for the opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, I'm sure you believe this too, but I just believe that the enemy, I am really here, the echo is, okay. As long as you're not going, all right. Um, you know, the enemy really wants us to believe that becoming a Christian or being a Christian means that life is always going to be difficult. It doesn't come without its problems, and we do have a lot of things that we are facing in our times. Um, you know, it sometimes feels like we're a fish swimming up a stream, right? And there are many obstacles that we have to face in our daily life. Just last night, um, as I'm preparing this message, I got this text from my grandson, and he just says, pray for me, please. I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know what is going on. He just says, pray. And I was like, okay, God, I'm getting ready to preach your word about how wonderful you are, and I know my grandson is going through it right now, and yet I know you're good. You're a good father, and yet I know that you are a righteous king, and yet I know that you can save my grandson. Um, and so I really believe that. Even though life is tough and life is hard and has obstacles and we're fish swimming up a tree, a, a stream trying to live. Yeah, we're a fish going up the tree, but even though we live in that world. Okay, guys. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it together here. Um, even though, you're going to pray for me, okay. Um, it really just touched me. Um, when we were worshiping, I just felt like God said, you know, I just really want my people to know how much I love them. No matter what, 
no matter what's going on in your life, no matter what you're going through, no matter the pain and the hurt that you're feeling, no matter the things you may be doing that you know that you shouldn't be doing, it does, it, God just wants you today to know from his word how much he loves you. We shouldn't doubt it. And I know we do. I know we do. But that's part of being human. It's part of being a Christian. That's part of walking this life of faith. Jesus said that he came to bring life, that we might enjoy life, that we might have an abundant life. The real question I would have for us is, do we really believe that Jesus can so radically change us, that he so can radically, radically change your life and give you an abundant life? Do you really believe that? Because I think that that's the crux of the whole question. I hope I do justice for this message today, and that was my prayer as I was worshiping, because the heart of what Jesus is saying is that he wants you to know he loves you, period. End of discussion. Last week, we've been going through this series, and um, I'm going to read just the last verses of chapter 9 in John, uh, John 9. It says, the man healed of blindness had no trouble believing in Jesus. When Jesus finds him and says, do you believe in the son of man? He asks, who is he, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus replies, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. And Jesus, the man realized that he had encountered God himself. You and I, too, can encounter Jesus if we allow him to. Jesus explains how through him we can know Jesus. And he uses two analogies. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to read the scripture, John chapter 10, 1 through 21. And Bob is going to read that scripture for us. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, Anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he has hired hand and does nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. 
I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life, only to take it up again. But no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I receive from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Amen. So Jesus uses two analogies of who he is in this passage. And um, the first is, is that Jesus says he is the gate by which his sheep comes in and finds salvation. He is the gate to the Father. So the door... It, there, there's another translation for that word. It's, it's called, it's, in the Greek, it's thura, and it's probably a better translation than gate, but it's, uh, in, in the Hebrew, it, uh, Greek, sorry, Greek, it's translated the door. And so we see the analogy that Jesus is using here is that he is the door, he's the gateway, he is the way to come into a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus is claiming that he is the one who provides entrance into the sheepfold and that they can, his sheep can only enter by him. So what sheepfold is he talking here about here? It's us, right? His believers, the body of Christ, you and I. Jesus says that he is the son of God and the savior sent by God is the only way in which we can come and be redeemed into righteousness. And we are, it's the only way that we can uh, come into relationship with God the Father is through him, through Jesus Christ. Whoever enters in through him, whoever receives him as their savior and trusts in him alone for interest into the kingdom of God shall surely be saved. And I wonder sometimes, it's like, do we really know how, I mean, my heart is that, and I know your heart too, is that people would really know this Jesus. But it's not, you just can't come to Jesus on your own. You have to come to the, to, to the Father. You need Jesus to come to the Father. You need Jesus to enter into that relationship with the Father. Because he's a holy God. That's the reason why Jesus came. For those who trust in Jesus, salvation is a certainty. It is guaranteed because of what Jesus did on the cross, his sacrifice. The justice of God, remember God is a just and righteous God. And he was, he was totally satisfied because of what Jesus did on the cross. Jesus also promises that everyone who trusts in him shall come, and, come in and go out and find pasture. In ancient times, when a country was at peace, when the forces of law and order were in place, the subjects of that country enjoyed peace and security and did not fear because they knew that they were protected by the leader of the nation who had a whole army watching over them. Finding pasture sometimes reminds me of sitting in a calm, beautiful, quiet, peaceful place, enjoying the sunrise or the sunset at perfect peace and contentment. Can you imagine living in that kind of a world? Well, we can 
Because if we are in relationship with Jesus, our good shepherd, the shepherd that watches over us, he protects us. He's this king. He's the owner of the country, so to speak. He is the righteous king who protects us. And we are able, this is what this scripture is saying, we can enter into that peace, that place where we can feel God's protection, God's security, not fear. So what does it mean for you and I that once we discover that through Jesus, we can discover through Jesus what God is like. A new sense of safety and security can enter into our life. The worries and the fears are gone as we put our lives into the hands of the Good Shepherd. Let me read this uh, to you. It's from Psalms 121, 7 and 8, and it says this. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. That's a promise. I don't know about you, but when I read that scripture, read that scripture, I was like, this is my Lord. And there are times when I experience great trouble in this world, like last night when I got my text from my grandson. I didn't know what was happening. I do know that he's in drugs. I do know that he, at any moment, I could get a phone call. Living in that place, guys, you know what it's like. There's fear. There's anxiety. There's stressing. And all I could feel was God's peace because all I could do is pray. I can't explain it. I can't explain it. I just know that it is real. If we go on to verse 10, it says this, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. The religious hierarchy in this time, the hardened Israel, the hierarchy, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they had hardened their, they were the thief who was intent on killing and destroying Jesus and all of his work, as well as the devil. And I believe the devil used them because they couldn't accept him. They didn't see who he really was. It's kind of like what we read earlier. They weren't able to see Jesus. Jesus is the true shepherd who came to bring abundant life to the people of God. And here's a personal application for me. This is one of the very first scriptures that I memorized when I became a Christian. I think I was a Christian a little bit longer when I memorized the scripture, but I remember memorizing it because it, it was a reminder to me that the only goal of the enemy was to, uh, to kill me, to destroy me. He's the enemy of my soul, and his whole job was to snuff me out. When you know that, doesn't that just make you mad? <laughs> you saw that? I, I held that. <laughs> That just makes me, made me man. And so I, I remember memorizing this scripture to remind me that he only comes to kill, steal, and destroy from me. He wants to steal my salvation. He wants to steal my joy of serving Jesus. He wants to steal my family, and he wants to steal my church. He wants to kill my soul. He wants my ministry to be destroyed, and he wants my prayer life to be destroyed and killed. He wants to destroy my relationships. He wants to destroy, and then the opposite, he wants to destroy. That's just who he is, kill, steal, and destroy. And the opposite of that, because of what Jesus did, we can have in an abundant life. Remember that deep inside when you're going through something. It's the enemy's goal 
to destroy you, period, end of this discussion. And it's Jesus who came to give you an abundant life, a life that is filled with love and faith and hope and belief and trust in him. So what does an abundant life look like? These are just some ideas that I had. You walk according to the spirit and not the flesh. How do you do that? Well, if you don't have a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, how are you going to do that? Especially in a climate, the world that we live in today, responding in the opposite spirit when somebody is at you. I would just, um, <laughs> I just worked seven days. I'm a substitute lunch lady. I loved it. Just saying, I loved it because I love being around the kids. It's hard work. And there are cranky people there. I'm just saying. There are some cranky people. The majority of the teachers are wonderful. I had this one teacher. <laughs> I had, the, no, I, a couple teachers actually. I'm just loving the little kids. And it's tough work, but it, the kids are coming in. I'm just loving these little kids. And one little girl comes up and gives me a hug. And I told one of the teachers, I said, you know what? I just love these kids. They're so amazing. But I realize I'm with them for five minutes and you have them all day. You're my real heroes. So if they come in a little cranky or a little on edge sometimes, I remember that they have to deal with these kids. There was a janitor and there was this other guy who was there to help. And they're just these gruff guys. And I just came in and I just was kind. I was just nice. I just said, how are you doing? How can I help you? What can I do for you? Sometimes it's just kindness, right? And I can only, I'll tell you what, when somebody's up in my face, all I want to do is get up in their face. But when I'm walking in the spirit and I'm walking according to the way that God wants me to walk, I can be kind and nice. And then hopefully they can see. And by the end of the week, they were really nice. Because you can bring something into a room, right, with kindness and a smile. Are you joyful? That is joy, full of joy. And it doesn't mean, yippee, and maybe it can, but I think of the joy of our salvation, right? We are saved by grace. That is what I'm excited about. That's what I have joy about, is my salvation in Jesus. We, have a, we feel a strong sense of peace. There are times when I should not be at peace. And in my spirit, I feel the peace of God. Like this whole week working at that school and coming home and I'm exhausted because I had double hip surgery and I'm getting, you know, and I am, moved, I am exhausted. I'm, you know, healing up and it's good. It was all good, but I was exhausted. Having to work on this, not having to, I get to work on the message and I keep thinking, oh my gosh, I'm taking a nap for two hours and I, it's like, what am I going to work on? The, I had total peace. I had total peace. Because it was God rested in him. God would say, Deb, rest in me. It's okay, I got it. Actively work, try to work alongside of God. Passionately care about the service, our service in the kingdom. Love all people. Love all people. Not just the ones that are nice to us, but love everybody. Love everybody. Because Jesus did, he's going to give us the ability to love people. 
grow spiritually. I cannot tell you how important it is to be in our Bibles, reading the Word of God, getting the truth of who we are, the truth of who Jesus is, the truth of what's going on in our world. Why are we surprised of what's going on in our world? Watch the news and I just go, yeah, honey, that's what the Bible said, right? What's going on should not be losing our peace over because we know where our peace comes from. Our peace comes from Jesus. Being in the word, reading, sharing the word, the truth of who Jesus is, is part of living that abundant life. Looking forward to doing good each day, to the best of our ability, being that person. I'm not saying fake and phony. When you're going through a hard day, you're going through a hard day. I get it. Ask my husband. Ask, ask your best friend. Ask the person you're sitting next to. Don't be fake and phony about what you're going through. Be Acknowledge it, but also acknowledge the fact that God can give you what you need in that moment to be and do what he wants you to do. Regardless of what we're going through, we can live a life doing good. Our Father in heaven is good, and he longs to bless us. He longs to bless us in whatever ways we need it. So regardless of where we are today, our goal should be to achieve the abundant life that Jesus has laid out before us. He wants us. It's available to us through Jesus. There is nothing more rewarding than to serve, to give up our, of ourselves, to empty ourselves, and to be used in whatever way he wants to use us. This is life overflowing. The second analogy that Jesus uses in this scripture is that he is the good shepherd. The Greek word good is kalos, and it means beautiful and noble and wonderful. The, to know, the sheep know the shepherd. I am the good shepherd, the, uh, verses 14 and 15 says. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. What are some characteristics of the good shepherd? Let's just take a look at this. He loves, he loves unto death. He loved us so much, you guys, that he died on the cross. I think we as Christians, we know this, we hear this, we look at the Bible, we read it, we know it, we know it, we know it. But do we know it, what he did for us? I'll tell you what, years ago, I watched the movie, The Passion, and I couldn't get through the movie without literally just bawling my eyes out. Like, unbelievable of what Jesus did. And that's just a depiction from Hollywood. What he went through for us. He was willing to die for his sheep. Disciples never, they never understood why Jesus loved them so much that he was willing to go to the cross or die for them. They still didn't get it. They were constantly trying to talk him out of it, if you remember that. 
And what a contrast to the hireling, which the scripture talks about. And Jesus was referring to the leaders of, Egypt, uh, leaders of Israel at the time, who claimed to care for Israel and its people, but were really only interested in protecting themselves and their own reputations, their positions, and their power. That's all they were interested in. They weren't interested in the, in the, in the sheep. They weren't interested in, in the people. Let's read this again, because I think it's so important and so vital just to take it in your spirit and take it into your heart. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. The Father loves me because I lay down my life. I lay it down in order that I may take it up again. No one takes it away from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down over and over again. Jesus is saying six times in this passage, he says that he lays his life down for the sheep willingly. He chose this. This wasn't something that he just, okay, I'm going to do this. No, he did it because he wanted to. He loved the sheep that much. Because of Jesus' commitment to the Father and because of his love for us, Jesus laid down his life. Another characteristic is he knows you. The shepherd knows each of the sheep, each one of us by name. Think about that. He knows everything about you and me and Bob and you and you, every single thing. He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you completely. I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. In the Psalms, we read this, the Lord knows our frame. Christ knows your temperament. He knows your moods. He knows what makes you tick, and he knows what pisses you, uh, makes you upset. Sorry. He knows what is going, he knows it all. Sorry. <laughs> he knows it all. There's nothing you could ever tell Jesus that he doesn't already know. I know, I'm heresy right there, right, Richard? There's nothing that Jesus, you could ever tell Jesus about yourself that he doesn't already know. Here's the joy of following Jesus. He knows you so much, and yet he still loves you. I don't know, right there says it all for me, right? Straight up, okay, I know me to a certain extent, and Jesus knows me better? Wow, that's amazing. He knows what you need, you guys, and he is able to give it to you precisely at the time that you need it. So I'm going to share you a little story, and I might have shared it before. I was asking my husband if I shared it. I don't want to repeat over and over. But anyway, back in the day, <laughs> many years ago, um, when I was not walking with the Lord, I was, um, I can remember like it was yesterday, and I probably have said this before now that I think about it, but I was sitting, standing in an elevator going up to my boyfriend's uh, apartment. And it's funny because I had given my life to the Lord and I backslid. And so I was going up to my boyfriend, not husband, boyfriend, and I was going up to his apartment and, and I heard the Lord's voice. Isn't it amazing that even when you're in sin, the Lord still speaks to you, right? That's my God. Even when I'm in sin, he's still talking to me. He's still calling me back to him, calling me back. He asked me, he said, Deb, are you done with this lifestyle yet? I'm like, no, I'm having way too much fun. 
literally was my answer. That was my answer. I knew Jesus was speaking to my heart. I knew who was in my head saying, are you done with this lifestyle yet? It's funny. But it's so true because how much he loves us. A few months later, my life turned upside down. Completely turned upside down. I lost my job. My boyfriend left me for another girl. My son got kicked out of school. I was destitute. I had nothing. I became suicidal, and I almost took my life. At the time, it was sheer agonizing pain, but I can look back today, and I can see God's hand all over it. I can see God's hand all over my life. He knew me, and he knew what I needed. What I needed was the rug to be pulled completely out from under me so that all I had was him. All I had was to look to him. All I had was, Jesus, <laughs> i got nothing, and I know you're there. It's funny how I knew he was there. That's the Jesus that we serve. He wanted me back. He knew me. He knows you. He knows what it's going to take for you to come back to him. Sometimes the painful things in our lives can be used by God to draw us back to him. All we may feel at the time is hurt and pain and agony. But Jesus, the good shepherd, loves us too much and knows us intimately, knows all about us, and he knows what we need. And so, if he knows what he, I needed, he knew, knew that I needed back with him because my life was a mess. Christ will never abandon you. Even in my sin, I, he didn't abandon me. He was still speaking to me. Matthew 18, 12, and 14 says this. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? That was me. And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheet than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. This is the good shepherd, people. This is the good shepherd in action for his love for us. He doesn't want anyone to perish. That's the truth of who Jesus is. He cares for you. One of the most outstanding characteristics of Jesus was his love and his compassion for people. Jesus, the good shepherd, is concerned and interested in people. We matter to him. I think if there's anything that we get out of this message today is that Jesus, deeply, completely laying down his life, loves us. And that's the reason why. He does not care about what you can do for him, really. He really does. He cares about you. Now, we do it out of love for him. My love for Jesus compels me. What he did for me compels me to serve him because I can't help but share Jesus because of what he did for me, right? It's not because I got to or I should or I have to or, you know, none of that. It's because what he did for me, I can't help but serve and do for others. With such a shepherd committed to us for life, 
what do we have to fear? Because he is good. He protects. He guides. He nurtures. He's there. He'll never abandon us. In closing, I just want to focus on the last few verses of 19 and 21. It says this, The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, many of them said, um, I'm trying to see if I have it in my notes, I'm sorry. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Okay, so the people back then, well, you know, in this storyline and what really happened, they were like, okay, either Jesus is like super crazy and like madman, or he is really divine like the Christ. They had a decision to make. They were listening and watching this man, Jesus, and they had to decide whether he was going crazy or if what he was doing and saying was really true. We have that same choice today. If reading these words in our Bibles, I mean, some of it is like, wow, amazing stuff happened. Jesus did some amazing things. One commentary puts it this way. He says, if a man speaks about God and about himself in the way in which Jesus spoke, either that man is completely deluded or else he is profoundly right. The claims which Jesus made are either the claims of insanity or the claims of divinity. So let's take a look. And I like to, I was telling Bob, I was like, I'm going to use this because, you know, people nowadays like, let's look at the evidence. Let's look at the facts. Well, there are facts. Let's look at Jesus and take a look at what he, if he was really what he said he was. First of all, the words of Jesus. The words of Jesus bring life. He is the word of life. He brings conviction of sin, sorrow, remorse of sin, and heartfelt and life change. He is the one voice that speaks God's sense in the midst of man's delusions. He's the one voice that makes us feel like, okay, this, this world, and then on, on the other hand, it can make us think, how is that even possible? What are you thinking in the flesh or in your spirit? And I think that that's the point. When we live in the spirit, we hear the Spirit's voice. We hear what Jesus is saying. His word brings truth and peace of mind and peace of spirit. The next is the deeds of Jesus. What did Jesus do? He healed the sick. He healed, feeds the hungry. He confronts the brokenhearted, comforts the brokenhearted. He has compassion on the weak. The characteristics of a man, madman is selfishness. It's all about him. It's all about self-glory and prestige. Jesus was selfless. He did and gave unselfishly. Jesus' life was spent in doing things for others. Everything Jesus did was for others. And the Jews themselves at the end of that scripture said, a man who was mad would not be able to open the eyes of the blind. A madman wouldn't be able to do that. The effects of Jesus. Think about this, people. 
Millions and millions and millions of people's lives have been changed by the power of Jesus, and my life is one. I should not be here standing, talking to you about the Jesus that is amazing and wonderful and changed my life. And I know you all have stories of that in your, your own lives, of where you've come from and how God has trans so transformed you that people who look at you back then and look at you today are like two different people. And that's the power of Jesus. Weak have become strong, selfish who have become selfless, defeated who have become victorious, worried who have peace now, bad who have become good. This is what Jesus has done. These are the effects of Jesus coming into the world, dying for us on the cross, that millions and millions of people's have, lives have been changed and transformed. That's the Jesus I know. That's the Jesus I know. And I know you know. Some of you who know Jesus and have surrendered your life to him and given him the ability to change your life, you're not the same person, and it's because of Jesus. Richard, where are you? Why don't I just come up and do it? We're going to close here, and I know that a lot of our prayer ministry team is out today, but if you need prayer, if you, if you don't know Jesus, this Jesus, this way, or even believe that he can possibly do that for you, change your life, change your heart, change your world, we want to pray for you. We want you to know this Jesus. Guys, God's message is that he loves you. He loves you. He loves you so much, even where you are at today, whether that's in right standing with him or not. It's not about the good, good person. I'm so wonderful. It's this wonderful facade. We can put on the facade. That's not what Jesus wants. He wants us to be real with him and even with each other. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for what you did on the cross. We thank you so much, Jesus, that you love us so much. That you, would, you died so that we could know how much you loved us. I pray, Jesus, that for those of us who don't know Jesus, don't know you, that we would come into that relationship with you, even right here, right now. If there's anybody, just raise your hand or, you, you know, or I'm just going to say this prayer. You want to know this Jesus in a deeper way, even those of us who've been Christians for a long, long time and feel far from him or feel like, you know, I wish I could believe this. Jesus is saying, believe it, it's true, and I will show you. I will take you by the hand, and I will show you. So Jesus, if there's any here right now, Lord, who need to know you in a personal and intimate way, we just ask, Father God, that you would come to them and show them, reveal yourself to them. If they're asking, Lord Jesus, I pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on their lives, and you would open their eyes and open their hearts to you. I pray for those of us, Lord Jesus, who have been Christians for years and years and years and who may feel distant from you or may know that we're into something that we shouldn't be, that you still love us and you love us so much that you want us to lay it down and come to you because you're the good shepherd. You're the loving shepherd.
You love us so much, Lord Jesus. And there shouldn't be anything that hinders that love and from us feeling that love. So we just call upon you right now, Jesus. Let's just wait on the Lord as Richard uh, just sings this worship song. and Just let it wash over you. Let the Spirit of God wash over you and feel his presence and his love for you. My heart is open. My heart is open. My heart is open to you. My heart is open. My heart is open. My heart is open to you. My heart is open. My heart is open. My heart is open. down here and if you feel like you need prayer we're going to be here to pray for you but with that guys go with God have a great weekend rest of your weekend and just know that God really loves you